Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by Michael Martial, a world traveling entrepreneur, speaker, and mentor with a passion to help others succeed online. Professionally, Michael has spoken on hundreds of stages, including TEDx. He's spoken with celebrity entrepreneurs like John C. Maxwell, Ed Milet, and Damon John. He helps other coaches and speakers reach more clients by helping them land a TEDx talk of their own. Michael and his team also show clients how to leverage this one talk to reach hundreds of thousands of views, which can lead to dozens of new clients and paid speaking gigs. Michael is most proud of the connection he has with his amazing daughter, Alexis, and his powerhouse wife and investing partner, Oakley. A perfect blend of business and dad jokes, Michael is completely focused on the success of his clients and will always ensure to live by his core values of excellence, integrity, and growth. I've asked Michael to join us here today to talk about his journey and how we can all show up better, plus make more of the opportunities we come across. So, Michael, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing great. That was a, a stellar intro. Oh, thanks. I, yeah. <laughs> thanks, man. You kind of helped a little bit, but yeah, no, it was good. It was good. So now before we get into some of this, I really want to know, I always like asking people this to start off is how did you even get in? I mean, it's great that you've been on TED Talks and we definitely want to get into that. You worked with a lot of big names, famous people, but you come from a family of entrepreneurs. Like, how did you even get into business? Yeah, not not at all. Actually, my parents and my grandparents mostly kind of went, you know, fairly traditional route. And I say traditional, meaning you know, just your normal story. And for me, I I kind of hit a crossroads when I went off to college. I was kind of always looking for the next thing. And I ended up getting to college and I was like, yes, this is it. This is where everything comes together. And I remember, you know, after my, my freshman year and college wore off, I was like, yeah, this doesn't feel like it either. And I didn't know the word entrepreneur because it was like 19 years ago. I just right. knew I wanted to create something of my own. And, and that was the start of it. Honestly, I just didn't know what else to do. The traditional route wasn't appealing right. anymore to me. Right. The whole factory assembly line education system was yeah felt a little off. It so, lost its luster. So how did you get into business then? Like what was your first? Did you... My first ever thing, I was 19 years old, which I say it's 19 years ago because I'm 38 now. I left college. I was there for two years. I just realized this wasn't it for me. And a good friend of mine who I just recently met as I was kind of leaving college he had a business that he had started and it was just kind of a side thing. It wasn't really a big deal for him. And we were just talking about one day, I was like, what are you trying to do with this thing? And he's like, I want to grow it. It's just, I got my full-time job. I've got a family. And then, and then this stuff on top. Right. And I was like, dude, I have all the time in the world, right? Like <laughs> I could do something with this. And right. yeah, it was, it was a fun deal because we're both drummers and he was building these electronic drum sets, these custom handmade drum sets. They were gorgeous, but he would sell, you know, four or five a year. Like, and that wasn't, you know, anything too crazy, but that was a nice little chunk of change for him. But it took a lot of time. And I was like, gosh, I could probably get this to like four or five of these a month. I have yeah. no doubt. And yeah, we took off running, man. I, I started doing a bunch of video content and just trying to get the word out that, hey, we're open for business. And we ended up scaling that to about a half a million a year before we were actually acquired by a much larger company, you know, while we were still in kind of growth mode. So Fantastic. that was, that was the first jump into anything entrepreneurial. Got it. I love it. And congrats. Nice. Now, was it just linear progress or were there some challenges and setbacks? Did you have to learn any skills? Did you... You know, nope, any, no skills needed. It was perfectly needed. straight. No bumps in the straight. road. Uh, Give us a nothing to report. <laughs> no, it was it was full of everything, man. Like, you know, especially when you're a young man trying to figure out life. Still, you know, it was not without challenges. I will tell you the most challenging, and in hindsight, is like the most beautiful part of it mm. was that I had to really quickly learn what real responsibility was mm. and accountability. 
And that was my mirror right there. I was like, you know mm -hmm. what? I'm going to still go out and party on the weekends. I'm going right. to still hang out with my friends from college. And which is all, there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. Yeah. But, you know, I did have a full-time job because I needed to pay bills. Yep. And I was like, gosh, if I'm going to make this work, I actually have to work my full-time job to pay my bills, yep. take an hour for dinner, and then spend six, seven hours every night for, you know, every single day of the week if I'm going to actually make this thing work. Yeah. And I remember I was like, gosh, that means giving up the parties on the weekends, most weekends. That's yep. my social life. Right. That means, you know, truly committing to something. Whereas, you know, when you're 16, 17, I committed to soccer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. over the summers. Yeah. That was it. Right. And yeah. so it was, it was full in, man. I had to pick up some serious skills around that uh, mindset shift around that. And then also skill set of marketing and sales. Those I love two that. I love that. I've been reading this book. It's like a letter, letters from a merchant to his son or something like that. It's some classic from Harvard. And it's like 20 letters from this guy to his son. And one of them I love, he talks about how young men think that the boss has the ability to make and make, break and bend the rules. But actually out of everybody in the shop, he's the one that has the less flexibility of all. He's like a tightrope walker where he walks this tightrope line and around him, he can see all these things happening around him. He has all this space around him and all these interesting things going on that he might want to pay attention to, but he has to keep his focus on the line he's walking if he's trying to, if he hopes to get to his goal. And I just love that. Cause that's almost like what you're talking about. You're like, I, I had to be in, like, am I going to do this or am I not going to do it? You know? And it's yeah. just, yeah, I love that. I love that. I yeah, love yeah. that. So yeah. So were there any habits that you feel that you've developed over the years that have really helped? Yeah. I mean, you work with lots of other, like we said, big names, you've helped hundreds, if not thousands of people now with the Ted talk stuff. Is there a set of habits, pattern of behavior that you feel, you know? Yeah, actually. I mean, there's a few that come to mind, you know, because the thread through all of these things, you know, when I'm 19 years old to 29 to, you know, now 30, almost 39, you know, the one I'd say thread that immediately comes to mind is that of, of consistency. And this might go unnoticed and underwhelm somebody by hearing that. But I'm going to tell you, there's nothing stronger. When you talk about a tightrope, if you were inconsistent in your balance and your focus in your, yep. now this is the trickle down effect, right? What attributes to focus, what attributes to dedication, what attributes to fill in the blank. That's also sleep, nutrition, the relationships and people you have in your life, the books and the information that you're willing to ingest and, and, and digest. Consistency is a hard, hard game. And I had to learn that really early on that if mm -hmm. I'm going to win at something, I've got to be consistent because, you know, even just the basics, right? The 10,000 hour rule, mm -hmm. right? You put 10,000 hours in, you're an expert. Well, now I'm at like 40,000 hours and you can't get there if you're not consistent and right. at least not in any meaningful amount of time. So consistency, I'm not perfect. Like my day is relatively scheduled. I kind of do the same things almost every day. I have my plan. I know Tuesday nights, dinner, daughter, daddy, date night with, with my little lady. I know that that's the thing every week, right? There's certain inputs that help Jim, you know, eating well enough to, to give me the energy that I need and the happiness when I have a milkshake every once in a while, but it's the consistency that played out over a lot of other kind of inputs. Mm, mm, I like that. I like that. So what would you recommend to someone who's starting out or struggling right now? If they're just like, so what? I just need to keep banging my head against this wall. Because I, I agree with you 100%. And I agree with the 10,000 hour rule. But there's also a reality that you could have a monkey practice and practice and practice, try to beat me at chess, and it never would. So, yeah. you know, hard work is just like, if hard work was enough, more people would be successful. But it is a required mandatory ingredient that it just doesn't work without. So that's why I'm asking kind of, not so much to play devil's advocate, but to go, I agree with you hundred percent on that, but we know that is not on its own going to be enough, but you won't go anywhere without it. So what's, right. what's, what's that, what would you say would be that extra? Uh, yeah. That extra oomph, that extra ingredient. I mean, the word is the ingredient that you used. It's a piece of the pie, right? right? It's a piece of the cake, because if you were just consistently bad, you're not going to get great <laughs> at something, right? So there is a sense of realism that comes with that. I'm a big fan of, of skilling up. So, 
you know, anytime that I'm not seeing the result that I want, meaning goal setting, if I haven't hit the goal, if I'm not even making progress towards it, it usually means there's a skill or a person that I'm lacking in, right? Mm. And so those things are easy to get. We have YouTube, right? We have hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs, services that can provide help and sort of virtual assistance. We have a buddy that can help, right? There's We, we have all the resources we could ever want. But, you know, being consistently bad isn't going to get you there. Just like, I don't believe practice makes perfect. There's an addendum there. Perfect practice makes perfect. Yes. Yes. Right. And and so we've got to have the right skills and people around us to get there. Um, I'm a huge believer in mentorship for that purpose, just so we can shorten the time gap in, in skilling up and, and resourcing up. But, you know, if we're just consistent, that's not going to do it. We have to be self-aware enough to know when we're you know, when we're actually failing at something and that's okay to fail, you know, we try to avoid it by just being mediocre at things, you know, but if, if we're being really honest, mediocre isn't what we're after most of the time. Right. And and if that's what the outcome is, it's okay to pivot. It's okay to say, Hey, you know what? My skill set would be best served in this manner. It's different than what we're doing now. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, otherwise I'd still be making electronic drum sets, you know, making, a modest five figures a year, feeling fulfilled and happy, I'd be a workaholic. I'd have zero family, no personal life. Right. You know, if I didn't actually take my skill set to another level, reapply it somewhere else so I could skill up even more, resource up even more to the point where now our business thought leader, I and mean, we're in the multi seven figures close to, you know, this year we should, we should pass eight figures. And that wouldn't happen if I just stayed consistent, right? So right. there are those other ingredients that that are necessary. We got to skill it up. You know, that's where information's important, but how do we ap- apply that? Where's the application? And that's, I believe, where mentorship becomes huge. I love that. I love that. I love that. So <clears throat> let's talk a little bit now about how you got, why speaking on stage? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about it. Because they say this is the number one fear, right? It's, public you know, public speaking, right? And mm-hmm. I can understand that now, but here's the truth though, is that sometimes when I'm on, let's say I'm on stage in front of 3,500 people and I say, who here, and, and let's say they're, they would consider themselves speakers, coaches, personal brand, you know, heavy kind of, kind of entrepreneurs. If I said, who has that fear legitimately, there's not that many hands that actually go up right. in the right audience. <clears throat> so right. there's somebody that's listening to this like, you know what? Public speaking is actually not my fear. I actually really enjoy it. I feel like I thrive. I feel like I'm actually pretty good on it, you know, depending on whether they've been trained or not. And so the cool thing is if you want to grow, let's say a business, let's say that's your thing. I'm growing my business. We want to reach as many people as, as we can. Mm. Mm. And that's where we start talking about social media. We start talking about paid advertising, radio podcasts. We start talking about, you know, fill in the blank with whatever marketing channels you can. And at the same time, if you're really great at all of those, you're still only going to reach so many people, right? And that's the same for speaking. Even if you're really great, doesn't mean you're on awesome stages, right? Right? Doesn't mean you're on awesome, you know, radio shows with millions of listeners. So for me, I've I gravitated towards speaking because I wasn't cracking the code on any other thing in the, in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, today, that's different with my, with our social media. We reach a ton of people, millions of people. But I'm going to tell you with speaking, there's nothing that sets us up as an authority in our space if we're on the best stage on the planet, which right. in this case is TEDx. That's why we focus there. Mm. And we can have that one talk, nail it, and have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people see that one piece of content. Mm. We have a client, Cynthia Thurlow, who's now cracked 14 million views on her talk. Wow. I'm going to tell you that's brought immeasurable opportunity and real revenue to her businesses, her coaching right. programs, her book deal that went through and her, all the book sales, paid speaking out the wazoo, you know, so that's the result of being on the right stage at the right time with the right, right. message. Now, I love that. Again, I feel like I'm doing this to you over and over, but I've seen people get an audience in front of a million and zero times a million is zero. So can we can, can you talk about that? Yeah. Can yeah, you talk about yeah, that a little I, bit? So, all right, you got someone at TEDx, but. All right, we're going there. Yeah. This is why I wanted to be here, Daryl, because you're going there. And this isn't even devil's advocate. This is just, this is the real question that needs to be asked. Okay. Because 
I, I, I love when people say, Hey, I don't do it for the money. Okay. I'm just, <laughs> just a hundred percent for the impact. And then the income happens and then everything's right in the world. I know a ton of those people that, Hey, it's worked out for them. But I also know a majority of those folks that don't continue in their business. They can't, right? They've given to the point of financial, physical, mental, spiritual, energetic exhaustion, yeah. and they cannot continue any longer. Yeah. So yeah. did that serve people? Was that impactful? I don't know, right? I'm not here to argue that. But at the same time, zero times a million is still zero. So when we show up on a TEDx stage saying, hey, I'm going to impact this world, I love that, I'm here for it. But I also beg to say, well, does it have to be impact instead of income? right? Can we actually give a ton of value and have something of more value on the back end of that by way of investing in our speaking, our coaching, our course, our book, our content, our thought. And, and with Thought Leader, what we do is we are big on the message. We want to make sure you have the talk of your life. It will be amazing. And it will be structured in a way so that on the back end, you are selling those books right? You are being requested to, to be paid to speak on stages. You know, our clients typically they'll charge if they're newer speakers, you know, 3,500, 5k, $7,500 even they've yeah. never been paid before. And they've done for like an hour. Speak. Yeah. For, for an hour of their time. And whereas they'd done a, a ton of free, you know, pay, free speaking before that. And the difference there, one is the authority. It's a TEDx stage. People still have respect for that kind of stage. But we have to structure the talk so that everyone that what witnesses that, every watch, every view, knows that there's something for us to do next after the free content. It's a book. It's the web. Go to the website. Oh, I'm in your email. I want to take your course. Right. You have to have something of value beyond the freemium if you're going to be that kind of successful with your talk. Right. And, and I think when you talk about having an impact on the world, I mean... The reality is, is changes happen slowly over time. So you can inspire someone in a short talk, but for a lot of people, they need more and they need reinforcement. And they, I mean, why are people listening to this interview? Because they're reinforcing things they may have already heard and know, but we need to right. reinforce it, reconfirm it. We need to test it. Have, has, have things changed? So you give that great talk, but if you really want to have an impact, you need to do more. I just had a talk with a guy yesterday who, you know, and, and at the end of the day, I was like, you know, best of luck with that. But he just had an issue about charging money, like charging money for help. He's like, well, so many people don't get results. They get coached and they don't get results, you know? And I'm like, yeah, but that, so does that mean you do nothing? You know, like, like, listen, I talked about this, like, let's say there's a lake and around that lake are birds. So a problem is a market. The lake is the problem. Around it are a bunch of birds. They need the lake to survive. It's, it's Right. And you've got birds that eat insects, you got and worms, you got birds that eat fruits and berries and, and nuts, you got birds that eat other birds, you got birds that eat fish, but they all are around this lake. And you could take something like if you help someone with job hunting, right? You do their see their cricket, their resume for them and help them apply the jobs. Well, that's like the the problem is the lake. I need to find work. And you've got a high-powered CEO that's looking for a new high-powered CEO job. You have the homeless person that wants to get a job sweeping floors at McDonald's. It's the same lake, two different stereotypes, you know, and I was just trying to make the case that you should help the high powered CEO get paid handsomely. And then we evenings and weekends do the charity work for the person that just wants to, like, you know, two different capacities to pay for your services. Same problem. Absolutely. You know, no, I love that. That's a great way of looking at it too. And I, I actually have the exact same philosophy. You know, there's one of our clients, she was like, you know, I've got this Facebook group. I'm growing it. We're at like 800 members and just nobody's buying my thing, you know? And it goes to say, well, the lake that you've created was for somebody to come in absolutely no cost. What would prompt them to then want to go back and pay for admission to the lake that they're already at, right? They wouldn't necessarily. Right. Now there's the flip side of that. When they know that you are the authority that works with the CEO, Right now, there's at least some semblance of a, this person's the authority. I need to work with them. Right. Not, not everybody will, but you can absolutely serve people now because you're paid on the other right. side. You can show up right. every day at a Facebook group right. knowing that you're getting paid from your client from the other, from right. a different lake. Right, so, right, yeah, right. I love that. 
And there's also the income earning ladder that goes with that. Like on the bottom are generalists, like a dentist makes what any dentist can make. And then above a dentist is the specialist, the orthodontist. And the reason they get paid more is there's a greater confidence in the result of the outcome, right? That's a huge part of why they get paid more. The dentist might be able to figure it out, but you don't want to be the experiment, the guinea pig that they experiment on. So you pay more for the specialist to do it because you have greater confidence of outcome. And then people who make more than specialists are the trainers of specialists. And one is because they sell the opportunity for someone else to become a specialist. But also if you're going to hire the trainer of specialists, you know that they may not be best in class, but they should be at least industry average. So again, you're paying more money for a higher confidence and outcome. And that's kind of what you're saying is when they have that authority, you have a higher confidence in the outcome that you're going to get working with this person. And of course, the people who make more money in an industry above everyone else are the celebrities by simple effect of cause and demand, supply and demand, right? Dr. Phil, if he auctions off an hour of his time, I mean, he's just, he's a counselor, right? He's a counselor, he's a psychologist, you can pull up, find one in your local neighborhood, but he's got such a massive audience. There's only so many hours in a day. And so if he were to auction it off, he would get paid more. So yeah, yeah, now, a million percent. So can you talk about the talk structure here? Like, is there magic sauce in this talk? Are there magic beans that you shake oh, over yes. the talk? Yes. Oh, yes. yes. Magic <laughs> dust everywhere. Everyone <clears throat> drinks the sauce. Yeah, no, talk structure is really important. And the way that we look at this, the reverse engineered, you know, so our, our clients that are speakers and want to be paid to speak will have a certain structure that's slightly different than somebody that has a book that is for sale. Right. The person that's an author that has a book for sale is also a different talk structure than somebody that has a book idea and wants to land a six-figure book deal from the talk, right? So it depends on the outcome that you've got. Coaching is different, all these things. But loosely, we follow something I call the positivity train, okay? So what that looks like is, number one, you have to have something that is absolutely, I mean, we, we can call it a hook. It's probably the general way of putting it, but something that breaks the thought pattern from your average listener. Okay. So there's titles. Title is the first piece of the puzzle before even the talk structure. We've got some, ex I can give some examples, but you want to, you know, hit the reader with some reason to click your video versus, you know, the seven others around it. Right. We've actually studied the top 100 talks from the last like decade. And there's themes that come out and I'll give you a couple of, you know, examples. One could be what we know about orgasm is dead wrong. I saw the eyes go up. I love that. I saw the, I love that. Right. Because the juxtaposition and, and sex, it's attention getting, it's definitely attention. Yeah, of course, of course. And Hey, wait a minute. What I know about orgasm, which is already something that I, I kind of love <laughs> yeah. is dead wrong. You're saying I could do this better. I thought I knew my orgasm really well. What? I, th yeah. I thought I was an expert at this. And so of course we're going to listen in list talks are really popular. You know, the top 10 myths around fill in the blank. That's a good one. Especially if you're, if that blank is a, a problem or a goal of your ideal audience, it's a right. huge one. They will click on that, especially because it's highly searchable through YouTube and, and things like that. That's not the end all be all, but when you can juxtapose, Hey, this is something important for you with your subject matter and, and maybe a different expectation for what they're about to read, you're going to draw them in versus, you know, everything you already know about a subject you think is boring. Right. Right. Like right. that's the old school Ted style. It's very research, very, you know, clinical. It's very education heavy. Right. Uh, and now people are looking for transformation. If you can provide 15 minutes of that for them and just shift them one degree, cause you're not going to change their life forever. Right. Likely from the talk, if you can get your hook in that way, they're going to beg for more, right? You are now the expert on orgasm. You are now the expert on business coaching mm -hmm. or leadership mm -hmm. or you know, some aspect therein, right? And so when you, when you can hook them from the jump, you're in. But when we move past the title, here's what a lot of people have done. And, and the results are very clear to not do this, okay? Do not do this structure, okay? Daryl's like, hey, everybody, Michael's coming to the show. Here he is. When I was 10, I was abandoned by my family on the side of a muddy street, Right? Oh, what a, what a letdown, right? When we start in the negative, low mm. energy is missing, right? Mm. It doesn't actually draw your audience in, in a meaningful way, because now they have to match that energy. Mm. They have to come into that saying, wow, this really sucks. And we don't want that, you know, subconscious to be there. 
So what we actually do is we hit them right in the middle, not you know overly positive, not overly negative, just right there. Here's what we're talking about today, right? 10 things you know about, or, or 10 myths that you know, or, or think you know about plants and botany dispelled, right? Or whatever the thing is, right? Hook, line, sinker, done. Then we bring them to the most positive, amazing story that you have. And I don't mean about botany or plants, if that's, you know, your thing. I just mean in general, okay? That could be, you know, if I'll use myself as, as an example. I'll talk about my daughter because her picture's here, okay? Having her, that was the highlight of my life. Mm. And why is it important for me to bring her up? Well, it has nothing to do with botany directly, right? But I'm actually bringing the energy of my viewer way high mm. to the absolute, you know, zenith of where it could be. And, and what's important is that when I talk about my daughter, I actually, like, I'm actually physically just now talking about my daughter, getting very excited. I'm talking with my hands. I'm up there, right? And the audience is going to feel that when I get to 11 out of 10, they'll be at a seven or an eight, right? right? right. So we want them to follow suit there and be like, wow, yeah, he really loves his daughter. And what we're doing there is we're setting the anchor high so that when I talk about the thing that will really impact them, it's going to be felt. We're going right. from a 10 or an 11 to a minus 10. That's a right. 21 point ah. jump, right? Now, emotionally, when I talk about the heaviest, hardest thing to deal with in my entire life, I'm going to feel it. Right. It's going to emote. I don't have right. to make this up. It's not disingenuous at that point, right? And so when I do that, and of course, I'm naturally going to speak differently. I don't have to memorize every pause right? I don't have to necessarily do these things. It's just going to be the most natural outcome. I'm going to connect with my audience. Now they can really feel what I'm trying to get across to them, right? So, so at that point, how we do this is we now tie it back into the point that we tried to make in the first place. The one thing, again, all TEDx talks, the greatest ones, they talk about one piece of information. And it could be 10 minutes, it could be 18 minutes using all of their time, but they're just wanting one point to get across. And if I'm, and I'm totally off the top of my head, if botany is the thing, I can talk about how studying how plants work in this one thing changed my life forever, right? right? And now it's some magnificent aha that I needed to hear. And this person clearly is the expert because of how I felt having gone through this content. And yes, mm -hmm. the one idea is now implanted in my brain, implanted right. unintended. Okay. So- we take them up top here. We take them into the meat of what we really need to get across so they can feel what's coming next, which is the idea, right? And and I'm not sure what that is. I, I just, I have a plant here, so I'm talking about it. Right, But right. we can talk about all sorts of ways that that connects with how I felt about my daughter, the lowest point of my entire life, and why this becomes so massively important for them. Right. They leave taking that one idea with them. And guess what happens on the back end of a talk like that? Right. People want me to go in depth on that talk. They will pay me to come bring the emotion, not even the content, the emotion that I just gave to them. They want their people to be transformed by that as well. Mm. They want their people, whether it's corporate, entrepreneurial events, like industry specific events, whatever it is, they want that on their stage. They don't mm. want the factoids. Right. They want that transformation more than the information. So a lot of it is wrapping your message in an emotional experience to help drive the message home. It's what it sounds like. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, we're past emotion, you know, at, at this point when, when all we get is just information, we can go there anywhere. We're throwing the emotion out the window when we have a plethora of just information, right? right. It turns on our logical brain and now we're just looking for answers. We're just looking for more information. But when, when I can instruct you to say, hey, I'm actually really excited to be here. I've got something really cool. And really what I'm talking about is my daughter, but I'm bringing you up here. And then I drive this wedge. I have to become whole. Like, right. It's like listening to your favorite song and it doesn't resolve at the yeah. end. You know what I mean? It's just like, you got to fill this thing for us. And it's okay to hang out there. But then when we bring it back up to center and I tell you why it's so important about this one thing about plants, it's like, oh my God, that yep. really just sunk in. Yep. And now it, it, it is kind of like, that's the payout. 
right? I didn't want to just impact you. I wanted to get paid as well. Right. That's your audience too. Hey, you impacted me, but where's the payoff? Right. I right, want to get right. something to my I want the happily account. ever after. Give me the happy ending and boom, that was it. And now it's locked in and you are the expert. Holy crap. You changed my freaking, you know, demeanor for the rest of the day. Well, do I want that on my stage at my next event? Right, do, can right. I pay you 10 grand to do that? Cause I have the budget. Right. And the answer is yes. So, right, 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 right. Now I know I've got some listeners that think they just need to hire a VA to do outreach to them for people organizing conferences and speakers. Sure. Is that, I mean, you, can you speak to that a little bit? Do you really need oh, to yeah. have a great talk or can you just grind it out and make mistakes on other people's stages? Oof. Usually with TEDx and really speaking in general, you, you don't get many redos, you know, everything's so visible now, especially TEDx. So with our clients, we, we guarantee a minimum of 50,000 views on their talk, sometimes even a hundred thousand views on their talk within 90 days of their talk going live. So what happens if you just wing it? Right. What happens when a hundred thousand people, 250,000 people like one of our clients, Kevin Brealy has 4.2 million views. What happens if millions of people just saw you wing it and they could tell? Right. It doesn't matter at that. You are now a zero and they've moved on to the next video. They don't right. remember your name. Right. That point that you desperately wanted to get out the message that's been living inside of you doesn't take hold anywhere else. Right. The impact doesn't happen. The income doesn't happen as an outcome. So don't wing it. You know, if you have an okay talk, it's not going to be good enough. I'm going to tell you, we have too much proof that mediocre talks are basically zero. They have less than 5,000 views. They never get shared. Your authority is not built on the back of mediocrity. And so this is why thought leader exists because we are looking for world-class professional grade talks. Mm. We specialize on TEDx because it's the biggest exposure to date that you can have. And then take that kind of talk to other stages, right? Get paid right. for the talk over right. and over and over. Right. But, but yeah, you know, can you do this on your own? I will say hundred percent. Yes, you can. Absolutely. You don't have to hire us on to do this with you. You can do this. The average time that it takes you to do that is different. Your VA is going to have to work overtime to make this thing happen within the next seven, 10, 12 months, or we could land it on average in 97 days. Right. right? And that's average because some of our clients you know, it's not a, a huge rush in their plan to just join because they want to, but right, right, right. You know, if we right, can get right. you a talk in three months versus two years, that's how do you guarantee that it's going to be such a great talk? Can you speak to that a little bit? Obviously, there's an iteration process, it sounds like in place. Yeah. Yep. You got to go through the talk writing process with us. We the, we have some checkpoints along the way. We won't just say, hey, you know, you invested in us and and good luck, right? It's very much so talk writing process. And then you get signed off by your coach. We have about a dozen coaches, talk writing coaches that will actually take you through this. And then they will sign off on your talk um, so that you know that it's professional grade. We're going to give you professional feedback in, in, you know, from people that have done it. All of our coaches have done at minimum one TEDx talk themselves. Most of them have done multiple talks. Even the founder of the company has done four TEDx talks himself and hundreds of paid speaking gigs. And so it's on the back of like, hey, it has to be world-class or we can't, we, right. you don't want us to let you go on the stage. Right. I, so, lo I love that. I saw huge around, accountability. I saw around the corner, there's like a, a school that teaches nurses and their banner, their big ad was, we have a hundred percent graduation rate. And I, in my mind, I thought I never want one of their nurses to work on me. No. I never want to be in the care of that. If they have a hundred percent success rate, listen, everyone goes through the army recruits anybody and everybody they can. And there's 10% of the population they can't get, they can't do anything with. That's a fact. The army will take anybody and everybody they can. And there's about little eight to 10%, eight, 11% of the population that they can't accept because there's nothing they can do with them. So yeah. if you're passing a hundred percent of the people on to the next level without any sort of control, that's yeah. yeah. I love that. Well, and that's the thing. And I, I'm glad you said it that way too, because we we say, you know, some of our clients are like, so what's the guarantee here? Like, am I going to get a talk? And I, I will tell everyone the same thing. If you work our program, you will land your talk. Right. There's no question about it. If you don't work the program, you're not doing the steps. Yeah. Or if you do them, you know, at a subpar level, it's not going to happen. And you don't right. want it to happen at that point. Right. You want it to be world-class. And so we'll check you off on every 
step of the way, even your talk practices, just to make sure it's 100% polished. And then by the time you go on stage, you've practiced it a dozen times, you'll nail it on stage. Right, right, right. Now, can we talk about this? How do you use it? You've got a great piece of content. Now what? It's now the, what? Is that the golden the, ticket into the future? Are you set for life now? You're set forever. You know, it's just like anything else. You got to use it, right? So we actually, we have a large network of people that we'll market the talk to. A lot of them are speaker bookers. They're involved in some of the world's largest book publishers and things like that. A lot of our clients that are going for a book deal will get a six-figure book deal just because the talk was phenomenal. There's all the social proof there. And so we'll get you to 50 thousand plus organic views on your talk. And then what we instruct you to do is how to leverage on the backside. So how to use this as your ultimate calling card. I will tell you before, and this is my personal story, before doing a TEDx talk, I had to apply. I had to do video submissions. I had to have a one sheet. I had to send you to my website. I had to get five references. I had to tap dance on, on the back of a gorilla. I had to do all of these things. I had to jump through all the hoops. I want to see that gorilla be, video. <laughs> the, the gorilla video is crazy. You should see it. It's on YouTube. It has 15 views. But here's the thing. You have to do so much to get a speaking gig that doesn't pay you a lot, yeah. right? It's so, it's the craziest thing. So in those speakers out there, you know what I'm talking about. And on the backside of doing TEDx, I've not applied one time ever since then. And I've done another hundred paid gigs since then. It's saying, hey, I've been vetted by the best. Yeah. What else do you need, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not arrogance by any means. It's just saying, hey, I've done the work. Now they're going to come to you and ask, what does it take to be on stage? In mm -hmm. fact, I just secured another talk yesterday. Well, technically this morning, the payment came through for November out in Orlando, speaking with some world-class, amazing, amazing speakers. I Technically, I can't reveal the names until they reveal them publicly. But I'll tell you, they're world-class, amazing people. And then this guy, yeah. regular average guy, I happen to be on the world's best stage. The talk happens to be awesome. And so that's my calling card in. So is it one and done and you're just, it's magically done? No, you got to put in some, some work behind that, but it's mm -hmm. all part and parcel to your business. Think about me at 19, right? Doing all of the things that I could to grow this business. I, at the time I wouldn't have been accepted on TEDx, but I could also have done one piece of content that I could have leveraged over and over and over mm. versus what I actually did, which which was hundreds of pieces of content marketed hundreds of different ways. Mm. I could have just done it one time and saved myself, you know, a decade of work. Yeah, I think it's it's it just made me think of Geico. Because Geico, for as long as I can remember, over 10 years now, they say one thing: 15 minutes can save you 15% on car insurance. They say it with clowns, they say it with dogs talking, playing poker, they say sure. it with a plane waving the banner behind. But they've really figured out that that is the one message that gets them the best, lowest quality lead they can do something with, right? They do life insurance. They do business insurance. They do all this other stuff. But they figure if you got a car, you got to pay your car insurance and gas and repairs and car payments. So if we can, 15 minutes can save you 15% of car insurance. That gets you through the door, which leads me to my next question here. Do you recommend someone do their TEDx talk with a $50,000 offer on the back end? Is that? Yeah. Absolutely. Is that the way to do it? Uh, do it with anything. You, you mentioned know, a lot of people it. doing it with a book. Sorry to talk over you, but you said a lot of people are either doing it to try and get more speaking gigs or to sell a book. So that almost seems like the opposite, but. Yeah. Well, well, there's a third category and that's coaching hundred oh, percent. And that okay. coaching can look like anything, right? So it could be a couple of hundred bucks. If it's a course, it could be, you know, a few thousand bucks. If it's a group program, it could be 50 grand. If it's a corporate deal. Like it could be a lot more than that if it's a, you know, some sort of, you know, franchise kind of offer that you might have. So there's a lot of ways to leverage that. I, I personally, I love the coaching aspect. You know, there's no secret of the thousands of clients that we've brought in. A lot of them have seen our content out there via, you know, mine and my founders, uh, TEDx content, you know, and we leverage the heck out of that, you know? So for example, our founder, Taylor Conroy, he did his first talk about essentially how to build a school in three hours. And he told this story about how he got his friends to circle around so they could build a school in, in Africa for these kids that had zero education. And therefore, they had to enter the workforce at very young ages to support their families. It was just not a great situation for them. 
And so he rallied his friends together. They ended up raising the 10 grand they needed for the school. They all went, they built the school. It was amazing. Life change, you know, sound the alarms, fireworks go off. And he's like, wait a minute. I wonder if I could get like, instead of 10 friends, like a hundred friends, we could build 10 of these schools. So he does his talk and he just tells a story of how they did one talk or, or one school and they're looking for more people to help. Fast forward, 80,000 donors from 14 different countries, okay? $5 million raised. They were they built hundreds of schools and homes, mm -hmm. clean water projects, anti-sex trafficking work, you know, you name it. Like that's the power that we're trying to get across here. And and at that point, I'm not sure the average donor, you can do the math, 5 million divided right. by 80,000. It's not a huge number, but what it is, it is is accumulative. It's it's massive massive mm -hmm you know, influx for, in his case, a humanitarian project. But we have coaches all the time that they're like, I need to sell more of my 25K thing. It's amazing. And nobody knows about it. Mm. It's amazing, but nobody knows I'm amazing. Right? So what happens if we have 150,000 people that now know you're amazing mm -hmm. and need what you have? That's what we're talking. And so you can absolutely do that. One of our clients, Brad brought on like 250 of those clients wow. from his talk alone. Right. And He's not some marketing guru or like the best speaker in the world. He just told his story powerfully and the right. rest is history. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That sounds fantastic. So where do you see the future of this stuff going? Bigger. I think as more people understand the power of TEDx, they're going to really start leaning in. It is not, it's, I, th I think it's a fledgling. Most people that I talk to about TEDx are like, whoa, I had no idea. And I think people get smart. And I look at just what happened with YouTube. Like you had some people putting out content and you know, you'd get some viral content. Now people make these massive businesses around just their YouTube content. Mm. I think the same thing happens with a professional platform where TEDx lives on YouTube. You'll see this with their TEDx business. It will be, I am now leveraging this for all of my business. So right. your coaching, your speaking, your books, your courses, your widgets, your thing, your nonprofit, that's going to be a hub and they're going to build around it. In right, ways that we right, right, yet. right, right. I love that. I love that. Do you think this is going to change with some of the, you know, AI and all that? Is there, I mean, it's kind of a, a broad question, but the way software technology is going, do you think that's going to replace the need for thought leaders in any capacity? No, not at all, actually. You know, if you've ever used like chat GPT, you have to have input somewhere, somehow, right? And that comes from us, the user. And, and in fact, I think in a world that gets increasingly more, more not dependent, but accustomed to AI and ha having that kind of freedom with their time, not having to research and copyright and create plans and things like that, there will be a higher crave for that personal vibe. And that I think is still going to be you know, through spoken word. TEDx has the biggest platform, 38 million subscribers just on YouTube. So I think if nothing else, it becomes more popular moving forward. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I say these tools, they're just like what a calculator it. It didn't necessarily replace anybody. It just enabled people to be more productive. The more productive people got more productive and the less productive people had to find something better to do or up, up level yeah. their skills. So I respect that. Now, what do you think holds people back? Like why, you know, why would some people shy away from this? It sounds like it's a great opportunity. Sounds like as it's, you know, just to work on their own signature talk on their own would be a really meaningful, compelling, powerful thing to do. Why do you think some people don't? I think one is, is clarity. You know, I think when you don't have ultimate clarity on your message, it's, you know, it's hard to even get started. You know, if, if you don't have a target, you can't hit it. It's the same thing with your talk. You know, we, again, we, we speak with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people every month. And what we hear all the time is like, Hey, I've got a few ideas, or I don't know how to use these ideas. And if you don't have the end in mind, you really can't create the in between. Mm. Right. And so we see that a lot that holds a lot of people back. And this is why I mentioned mentorship and coaching. This is why coaches exist because Tiger Woods didn't know how to hit the driver the way he does now without his coaches, but mm -hmm. he knew that he wanted to be on those links. He wanted to do that professionally, didn't know how. Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan, same deal. They have multiple coaches for every angle of life. And we have to look at 
the the emotional side of this, like how important is it that you get this message out there that you, if you have a business that you're growing your business through the, these means that you have to get really clear on that. And then it's okay to say, Hey, I need help on this. And it's okay to go to the professionals. We are worthy of the success that we haven't necessarily, you know, experienced yet. Right. Uh, that fear of failure is big. Fear of success is equal. Yes. Right? And yeah. There is a lot. There. there is yeah. a lot. People like I'm yeah. successful, but now, now what? Yeah, I get that. I feel like it's kind of like if someone wanted to win in, at the Olympics, if they, someone wants to go and win a gold medal, they could figure it out in a garage with them and a couple of buddies, some VHSs and books you know, watching YouTube videos, or they could go get, like you talked about, you have multiple people that have already spoken on TEDx. So they could, they could go the route. I'm going to patch this together myself with some tapes and VHS in my backyard with some buddies that we're just going to make it happen and they can make it happen. Yep. Or the person that goes and gets three, five, 10 coaches that have all won gold medals to help them. Both, both paths can lead to success. One is you know, a very low cost, you know, full control of the whole process, but it's going to be, you know, like you're going to just, how many mistakes are you going to repeat? You know what I mean? Like right off the bat, people can tell via the contrast that you're more likely to have less injuries, less setbacks and a clear, clear trajectory forward. You had one, three, five, 10 coaches that have already been there, done that helping you. Yeah. I mean, there's a cost either way. You either pay in time or money, you right, know, and right. I, I'm more fearful now in paying with my time. I will write a check every day of the week. If right, it's important right. to me, if that's the thing that I've decided that is going to be my, my next big thing, I'm paying with a check. Right. I'm not paying you a year of my life. Right. That's insane to me. Right. 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 But right. some people will opt to do that. I'm, it's not a judgment. I'm just saying you're, there's a cost both directions. It's either with your time or your finances. Right. I love it. I love it because you can make more money. You can sometimes improve your health, but you know, there's no there's, lose. There's, like, and I, I'm just, I'm a frugal person, but I'm like, wait a minute. So I could pay you, let's just use an arbitrary number, 10,000 bucks. I pay you 10,000, but I don't have to spend mm -hmm. the next year of my life or year plus of my life figuring this out. So if I'm just, let's say an analytical person, I'm like, how quickly do I make that 10K back plus? Where's my ROI on that? Right. Emotionally, I'm like, who could I be serving in that year by having gotten the message out now? Right. 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 Is that worth the money I've been holding on to? It's, you know, so right. I look at it from all angles. Like I, it's a no lose when you invest in the right people, not just invest blindly, but invest in the right mentorship, coaching programs, courses, all that stuff. It's worth its weight in, in gold. So if you don't mind, cause I know this is your interview. This is literally a poem written by Arnold Bennett on how to live on 24 hours a day. I read this almost daily. I definitely read it a couple times a week. And I just think it's so, so powerful. If you don't mind, I'll share it. I'm open to this. I'm learning. Time is the inexplicable raw material of everything with it. All is possible without it. Nothing. The supply of time is truly a daily miracle, an affair genuinely astonishing when one examines it. You wake up in the morning and lo, your purse is magically filled with 24 hours of the unmanufactured tissue of the universe of your life. It is yours. It is the most precious of possessions. No one can take it from you. It is unstealable. And no one receives either more or less than you receive. In the realm of time, there is no arist aristocracy of wealth and no aristocracy of intellect. Genius is never rewarded by even an extra hour a day. And there is no punishment. Waste your infinite, preciously precious commodity as much as you will, and the supply will never be withheld from you. Moreover, you cannot draw on the future. It is impossible to get into debt. You can only waste the passing moment. You cannot waste tomorrow. It is kept for you. You cannot waste the next hour. It is kept for you. I have said the affair was a miracle, is it not? You have to live on this 24 hours of daily time. Out of it, you have to spend health, pleasure, money, content, respect, and the evolution of your immortal soul. Its right, its right use, its most effective use, is a matter of the highest urgency and of the most thrilling actuality. All depends on that. Your happiness, the elusive prize that you are all clutching for, my friends, depends on that. If one cannot arrange that an income of 24 hours a day shall exactly cover all proper items of expenditure, one does muddle one's whole life indefinitely. 
we shall never have any more time. We have, and we have always had all the time there is. Boom. I love that because you can't yeah. get more time. It's the one thing. So again, we got the two paths, you know, you're going to figure it out over five, 10 years, 10 years to overnight success or, and so if you have the means, anytime you can save time, that's what people that get it, get it. Right. And I think oh, yeah. as you get older, it's, Oh, hundred. It, it is. Yeah. I think it is a maturity thing for sure. When I was younger, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do all this myself. I'm going right. to save the dollars. Figure but it out. I'm going to tell you if somebody, you know, if I could go back to my younger self and say, Hey, you're working hard. I get it. You got money in the bank account. It feels good, but what are you working for? Right? right. Why is it? Why do you have access to it? And now I get to use it. And, and I've seen it so many times where I make an investment wise choices, make good educated decisions. I make the right investment and it's just a churn right now. And just on the logic side, it's like, yeah, that should have happened, you know, as, as soon as I could have. Right. So it's one of those things, but, you know, having said that, when we start looking at like investing in our program and stuff like that, we've made every, we, we've essentially created our, our dream in a company. It's mm -hmm. the best. And it's not my opinion. It's documented in an article. The best program on the planet against any coaching program, speakers bureau agency, just because we have what 550 successful clients on the TEDx stage. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. about seven times the the second place. Um, and it's just because we've got all the right bells and whistles. The client outcomes are insane. And mm -hmm. we just know what we're doing, not taking away from anybody else, but we just work at a different level. So the investment in our program is like you there's no like you our clients are throwing the investment because what they're getting in return is so much more valuable so for sure for sure yeah. my track record and people that know that me know that i've helped a couple of people do a couple of million and it was almost always because they had some sort of workshop or talk that turned into dollars on the back end and so yeah, where i came 100%. in was helping helping get that syndication of it but if you don't have that like we said at the beginning a million you can jump in front of a million people and a zero times a million will still be zero so yeah yeah. So Michael, this has been such a great call. People may want to listen to it more than once to make sure they write down all notes. I've got a bunch of notes as well. Nice. If they want to learn more, if they want to find out, how do they get in touch? Where do they go? Yeah. Yeah. Two, two places to go. If you want to connect more with our company thought leader, it's just thought-leader.com. Best way to do it. The website. If you want to connect with me personally, I'm super easy to find. Find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Those are the kind of the, the three that I play with. Michael Marcial, pretty much everywhere. So it's really simple, but okay. yeah, I'm open to connecting, answering questions personally, but yeah, check out the website. Like, I think that's the easiest thing if you're looking to kind of go down that path. Yeah. Okay. So that's thought-leader.com or check out Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-M-A-R-C-I-A-L. You can find them on social media, reach out, ask some questions, or just check out thought-leader.com. Michael, this is such a great talk. There was so much value. Is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? <laughs> you had some phenomenal questions. No, I think that's it. I mean, gosh, you know, if there's any other question on turn, hey, maybe we've got to do a second interview. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. All right. Well, thank you for coming and sharing with my audience. Because again, I know you've got your own, you got your family, you got your own following, you got all your clients to take care of. So thank you for coming and helping, you know, enlighten us. Honored. Absolutely. Daryl, I appreciate being here.